0: Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them and I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. Friends, I just got home from just a really awesome summer vacation in my home state of Colorado. I actually live in Washington now, but I am from Colorado, and I love to go back there in the late summer, kind of early fall season because my favorite kind of hiking is high country hiking, meaning 10,000 feet and higher (laughs) is really my preference. Um... And that high country is not accessible um, on foot a lot of the year, but it is in the late summer in Colorado. And so just for personal reasons, especially this year, I really, really needed to be in that thin mountain air, looking out on those views. And it was really healing and awesome for me. Um, I was on a hike with a friend out there and she mentioned something about how many things, how many different things my dogs knew um, about hiking. They have a lot of different behaviors that I employ while we're hiking and she just kind of commented on how great it was that they knew these things and so it occurred to me that maybe these are things that you guys would want to hear about um, that might make your hiking lives a little bit easier. I had Felix and Iggy with me. Felix is four years old, Iggy is ten and a half, and they're both really seasoned hikers and really have all these behaviors well-trained. And then I also had Leslie's six-month-old puppy, Finnick, uh, with me. And so Finnick needed to learn these things, but one of the things she was marveling at was how he seemed to already know them all. And the reason he seemed to already know them all is because he'd been hiking with me for... Every day for about a week up to that point, and he did uh, really seem to know all the behaviors. His behaviors still required a high rate of reinforcement, much higher than my other two dogs. But he was he was doing them and really doing them well. So, I'm going to talk about stuff to train before you head out on the trail, stuff to carry with you, and then just some common courtesies that we can all um, pay attention to so that we can continue to be allowed to hike our dogs uh, in the wilderness. So. And when I'm talking about hiking, you guys, this is a little bit different from what I would call my decompression walks. Um, They act as decompression walks, for sure, for my dogs and really for me more than anything. Um, But when I say hiking, I do mean, um, for me, that's hiking at elevation, um, sometimes strenuous, sometimes... Sometimes, like I said, high elevation, sometimes um, with cliffs and access to water and, you know, lots of things. A little bit more treacherous than my kind of weekly decompression walk spot is um, just kind of some open fields with a little bit of forest and rivers running through it. So that to me, I don't consider a hike. Um, so these are things that I train intentionally and carry intentionally when I'm what I, on what I would call a hike. So what do I train? Obviously, the recall. I've done a podcast on recalls before. I talk about recalls all the time. Recall is, the recall is pretty much the, probably the most important behavior that you can teach your dog because it is a lifesaver and they cannot be free unless they have one um, safely. And so since you know me and you know I like dogs to be free, I obviously work hard on the recall. What's important to note with the recall, and I'm not gonna go through kind of my step-by-step process here because I did that in a podcast previously. Um, If you just search for recalls, you will find it. Um, What's important to note is that if you're calling your dog really frequently, you will punish that behavior for most dogs. For dogs that would rather eat than do anything, basically rather eat than breathe, then you may not punish your recall. Um, So for Iggy, calling her frequently does not punish the recall as long as I am paying her with food every time, which I do, by the way. But recalling Felix frequently, and I feed him every time as well, actually diminishes his behavior because he'd rather run than do anything. He'd rather run than eat. And every time I feed him after the recall, I do release him back down the trail. But just that, that asking him to give up the thing that he really likes in order to return to me in and of itself can be punishing to that behavior. So I train it and then I value it and I don't overuse it, and that's really important. And I also train check-ins, meaning I just reinforce my dogs anytime they happen to check in with me on the trail. So then that's my first step um, of recall training Anyway, is just paying them for checking in. So I pay them for checking in, and I work hard on their recall to name. Um, And then the next behavior that I train is a distance stop. So that's asking them to either stop in place, sit or lie down at a distance. So I can ask them for that behavior without them coming all the way to me to do that behavior. That's the one that Finnick doesn't have yet um, and that's okay. I actually train it first by just um, saying something, stop or something like that and then throwing food at the dog. So dog is looking at me, I, I say stop, throw food at them or behind them and before long when you say stop they freeze because they're waiting for you to throw food at them. Um, Once you've got that behavior if you'd rather have a sit or a down layered in you can then just ask for the sit or the down and then um, throw your food at them always to reinforce rather than recalling them to you to eat. You can get more sophisticated about it than that for sure. You could use a food robot and do it at home and um, train a nice stop behavior. My drop on recall for my um, open level obedience work is certainly a little more sophisticated than that. But for me, this is a really practical way to just teach a freeze is you just call out stop and throw food so that the dog is expecting the food so they freeze um, when they hear that. And then I train them a pull-over behavior. So we're going to get to this when I get to the courtesies, uh, common courtesies that we can all do. But I train them to be able to pull off of the trail and just kind of do a sit stay. This comes in handy when I've got mountain bikers on the trail, um, maybe people passing by with small children people passing by with dogs on leashes, um, or just people passing by who don't need to interact with my dogs. Um, There's definitely, there's always faster hikers on the trail than me. (laughs) There's always people who are going faster than me, and especially if it's a narrow trail, I like to be able to pull over all of the dogs and myself and allow those power hikers to pass on by because that's not my jam. I am not a power hiker. And I I don't want them stuck behind me, so I just let them go ahead and pass. So pulling over is really important. It has come in handy with um, equestrians as well. So riders, people riding horses on trails, really appreciate it if you demonstrate that your dogs are under control and also out of their way so that they can pass because it's so dangerous um, to have a dog approach a horse on the trail. Having said that, I don't frequent trails where there will be a lot of horses or mountain bikers and the reason for that is I do like to hike off leash um, with my dogs and, and I may not see them coming in time to get my dog out of the way. Now, my dogs don't bother people on bikes or people on horses. If they did, I'd need to really pull that out and work on that as a separate piece because again like i said it's a safety issue we can't have dogs uh, chasing or biting at bicycles or horses on trails so i train them to pull over and here's how i do that very simple Um, i tell them over and i step to the side of the trail myself and then i do one of two things i either scatter food and that's usually how i start it is i just scatter food or i pull them over i ask them to sit or down and then i feed constantly to their mouth while the person passes by. So the scatter, I do usually when dogs are passing because even the most reactive dogs will usually not bark lunge at a dog that is sniffing the ground. Um, and I see reactive dogs on trails all the time. I see barky lungy dogs on trails and I don't want them to bark lunge at my dogs. And I also don't want them to feel not safe. So I tend to scatter when it's dogs. I like the option of not having to scatter because if you're scattering constantly, you will run out of food. Um, And I never wanna run out of food for my dogs on a hike. So I also like them to be able to just pull over and do a sit stay. And at this point in their training, Iggy will do a long sit stay on the side of the trail for a whole family to pass us by for one cookie. And Felix doesn't even want that one cookie. I just release him back to the trail for doing that sit stay. And on the hike that I was talking about with my friend, um, Finnick was fed kind of a steady stream of treats in that sit-stay. So, again, he's six months old. Iggy and Felix were sitting on the side. And Finnick was also sitting on the side. And Iggy and Felix were just waiting for their reinforcer to come at the end of their sit stay and Finnick was eating kind of constant stream of treats. And really cool over the course of the week where we were hiking every day, he needed less and less of a constant stream of treats, but that's basically how I train to stay anyway. I just start out with a constant stream of treats and then I drag out the time between the treats. until eventually it's Iggy and she's sitting there, until I feed her her last cookie and release her, or Felix, I just release down the trail. So the pullover is important. Um, And I like my dogs to almost look forward to that, which is why I do a lot of the scattering. So I'll call over and they'll all pull over off the trail and I'll scatter food, I'll feed a lot of treats, so that it's seen as not this big interruption of their great hiking time, but rather just a little break to eat some food. Um, In the higher elevation you're at, the more they appreciate a little break to eat some food. So another one that's really important is for your dogs to tolerate a kind of quick physical exam anywhere they are. So if your dog um, cuts a paw while they're hiking or you know is limping or cries out while they're running through the woods or you know whatever, so many different things might happen, or maybe they stop and they're just holding a foot up, you need to be able to give them a quick exam wherever you are and this is not something that you think of until you need it and when you need it is exactly when your dog might say hey um no we're we're in a trail right now you are not allowed to touch me you are not allowed to examine me this is when we're at home and i'm on a grooming table or this is when i'm at the vet this is not here or now and because dogs are very contextual so it's important for us to introduce them to the concept of having an exam wherever they are So as a matter of course, once per hike, my dogs get a look over and then they get fed for having a look over. So, and it can be, it's really easy. I run my hands down their back, over their belly, down each leg. I pick up each foot and then I feed them and let them go. Um, I do this on regular walks too, so that it's, they're just so used to it. It's not a big deal. So that's something that I just started doing with Finnick, and he definitely, like all of my dogs do, was a little bit appalled that I might be doing that um, on a hike. But he's a very sweet dog who likes to be touched, so it, wasn't, it was not not a big deal um, for him, but it's something that he started to get used to while we were vacationing. So doing that physical exam anywhere really important, and that kind of assumes that you're getting your dog used to physical exams at home in the first place, because if they won't let you do it at home, they definitely won't let you do it on a trail. So start that at home, start that husbandry work, start being able to touch them all over, pick up those feet, look at those toenails, look in their mouth. It's just an important part of caring for our dogs. And maybe in a you know later episode, I can talk a little bit more about my routines um, in that regard. But let me know if that's something you're interested in. Another one is I work really hard on my dogs giving me their collar um, or harness on cue. So I intentionally call this exercise the collar give as opposed to the collar grab. So a lot of people, um, especially in my sport of dog agility, talk about the collar grab exercise or collar grab game. And that translates in a human's mind to reaching at the dog and grabbing them. I call it a collar give because I would like to open my hand and say collar and have the dog place its own collar in my hand. Um, I do this just by touching the collar and feeding and touching the collar and feeding and touching the collar and feeding. And then I hold my hand just slightly away from the collar. And if you've done it enough times and the dog's kind of getting it they'll move towards you and they may not put their collar exactly in your hand, but they'll move towards you at which point you touch the collar and feed. And now that's kind of your new criterion is you've got to move towards me before I feed and so on and so on. Um, There's more of that in my teenage tyrants course, which just actually just wrapped up. Um, It'll run again next year, but I'm happy to post um, a little bit of video of this over on the CogDog Radio Facebook page. So make sure that you hop over there and you can see a video of that exercise. That's so important because if you need to get a hold of the dog, like let's say a distraction is passing by that you aren't sure you trust your sit-stay about. Okay, for instance, a moose. Let's say a moose is crossing the trail in front of you. Um, A moose is a really dangerous animal it is probably the most dangerous animal that i've ever encountered um kind of in person in the wild i think a lot of people who are maybe not from where i'm from might think that bears are more dangerous but we're most in colorado we're most likely to encounter black bears And a moose is way more dangerous than a black bear. (laughs) Um, And so, and I've seen more moose than I've seen black bears as well. Um, And so let's say a moose is passing by, I'm gonna ask for that collar and I'm gonna hold my dog's collar until I am sure that it is gone. And in fact, I'm probably gonna leash up at that point, stay on leash for a little while um, until there's no more evidence of that moose. So being able to hold the collar um and have your dog not be upset about that is important. Um and I like to be upfront with my dogs. I when I call you, when I just recall you, I'm probably not usually going to grab you or put you on a leash. I'm just going to feed you and send you back down the trail. I want them to know for sure when I am going to hold their collar or harness. So I introduce them to that ahead of time because I don't like to trick them. I want them to know for sure what I'm asking them to do. I never like to kind of snatch at them um, and grab at them. So I will hold out my hand and say collar, take their collar, feed them. We'll wait till the wildlife is gone um, before we go. So that collar give can be a really important exercise. And then very important, I like to teach my dogs to hop on things. So I like to teach them a hop up cue. That just means get on that log, get on that rock, etc. to be honest. When do I use this the most? Picture-taking time. <laughs> um, really important, you guys. Really vital part of hiking is picture-taking time. So I most often ask them to hop up when I'm going to take a picture, but I can ask them to hop up, again, as an alternative to the pull-over queue. So what if we're on, I've been in situations where I'm on a narrow trail and We can't physically pull over because of how steep um, everything is, but they can hop on a log or a rock while the person passes by. So that's really important too. And this is almost just perfectly natural for my agility dogs because as puppies, I teach them hopping on a thing buys you food a lot in a lot of scenarios. And so I just kind of indicate that they might want to hop up on that, I pat it, um, I might put some food on it, they hop up, and then I feed them, and it literally takes just a couple of times. And now I can point at anything and say up, and uh, Felix or Iggy will hop right up, and Finnick was definitely getting there by the end of the week. Um, So the hop-up cue can also be really important, and it helps with that physical exam as well. So hopping up on a rock so that you don't have to bend over the dog to look over them is also really important and again it's it's because of Instagram you guys you have to put great hiking photos on Instagram and so the dogs have to be posed on things you know this it's very important so gear what do I carry people are always asking me what are your dogs wearing what kind of harness is that you know what what kind of collar is that etc etc so gear is vital Um, water seems like a no-brainer but I hike with a uh, camelback so that's kind of a bladder of water that's in a pack that runs to a tube, and I just drink from the tube. So it's not a water bottle. And my pro hiker, Iggy, can drink from that tube, <laughs> um, but I don't necessarily expect dogs to be able to be professional hikers and drink from a camelback like Iggy. Um, so i need to bring water for them and i need to bring a bowl for them so i just have one of those great little silicone collapsible um water bowls that i clip onto my pack and then if it's a long hike i bring extra water for them and if it's not we all kind of share from my camelback because i can squeeze water into the um into the bowl so water is important and just a heads up if they've never drank water from one of those little collapsible bowls a lot of dogs won't So you want to introduce that to them ahead of time so that when you need them to drink water from it, they will. Uh, Spray shield. I talk about it all the time, but spray shield um, can be really important if you are approached by unfriendly dogs um, or your dog is the unfriendly one and gets into an altercation. Spray shield can be really important. I wouldn't necessarily trust spray shield to protect me from a bear or a mountain lion, um, but bear spray is for that purpose, and you might carry bear spray if you if that makes you feel safer. Carry leashes whether you think you're going to use them or not. Um, you should always have a leash on you. You'd be amazed how many times I've been hiking with a friend and they've wanted a leash and they've been like, "I don't even have one on me." Um, I hike primarily off leash but they always start out on leash until I kind of have the lay of the land, especially if it's somewhere that I'm not familiar. And we always have stretches where they have to be on leash because it's treacherous or because there's too many people or because I saw a moose, etc. So I always, always carry leashes. Um, since you guys always ask, I like my friend Christine um, makes paracord dog leashes. Her company is Victory Agility, and you can find her on Facebook. If you just search for Victory Agility on Facebook, you can get um, a custom paracord leash from her. They last your dog's entire life and she can make them kind of have whatever configurations you want. So mine have metal rings on the handle so that I can attach them to other things um, and they're really great. So always carry leashes with you even if you don't plan on using one most of the time. A basket muzzle can be a really great thing, especially if your dog might not be nice um, if other dogs approach them on the trail. I always say, even if it's a leash-required hike and you're following the rules and your dog is on leash, you can pretty much count on somebody not following the rules, right? And that's a person that you can also count on to not be able to call their dog. And expecting the dog-owning public to be able to recall their dog off of yours is is basically it's just too high of an expectation it's just going to set you up to be irritated so instead maybe a basket muzzle maybe spray shield keep everybody safe um gps collars i again i did a whole podcast on this so if you search um for Cogdog radio gps you will find that episode i use the garmin astro collars where i hike there's usually not cell service so your more basic um trackers that rely on cell towers are not going to be effective here and the Garmin Astro is worth every penny. A lot of people ask me what else do you recommend that one's too expensive and the answer is I still recommend the Garmin Astro. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know your financial situation (laughs) but if you want your dog wearing a GPS that's the one um it's fantastic and it has this great handheld that has a topographical map on it so you can see when there's elevation changes or bodies of water coming up on the map. Um, and so if I'm doing these these real um, high country hikes, all of my dogs are wearing them, including Iggy, who Iggy's pretty much never out of my sight. She stays really close to me. She's still wearing one for everybody's peace of mind because I have, I have three collars and that's usually the maximum amount of dogs I'll take, um, especially by myself. So... GPS collars can be really, really important. And, you know, there's also a lot to be said about wearing a GPS device yourself. I certainly know people who have lost family members um, who went hiking and never came back. It is a, especially if you're doing the kind of hikes that I'm talking about, it is a stark reality that people get lost. Um, And so certainly always tell someone where you're going, but... They also make GPS trackers for humans that are not a bad idea to keep on you. Um, I carry a knife um, as well in my gear bag, and that's, you know, multi-purpose. My my dog's harness is stuck on something and I need to cut it off, I have a knife. Um, If my dog gets hurt and I need to bandage it I can cut the bandage with the knife if I need to protect myself from something I have the knife so um a good little you know utility knife that you can just stick in your bag is not a bad idea booties uh, little booties for your dog's feet can be really helpful especially the hikes I'm talking about these high elevation hikes in Colorado or elsewhere can have really rough terrain, and my dog's little sensitive Washington paws um, can definitely take a beating on those harsh trails. If you have found a brand of booties that consistently stays on, I want to hear about it. Because the one that I have found is a disposable brand. They're just like these little balloons. It's paws with a Z. And those stay on better than anything else that I've used. But they also tear um, and stretch out and are designed to be disposable, which I'm not in love with. So that's what I'm using and carrying right now. That's working well for me. But if you've got a better exa- if you've got a better idea, please let me know. Um, bear bells. I put bear bells on my dogs if they're going to be off leash on the trail. It's called a bear bell for a reason. It is meant to deter bears. It also deters other wildlife. And while that sucks for me because I might like to see the wildlife, it's much safer for my dogs if wildlife is never surprised by their presence. So I like them to wear bear bells. I also know where they are um, if they're wearing a bear bell. So I really like those. I just attach it to the harness. I can hear them. I can hear them coming. Wildlife can hear them coming. It makes me feel safer. I hike in harnesses. Uh, my dogs currently are wearing Herda active harnesses, but Finnick just got his first hiking harness, and it is a rough front range. Um, I'm not endorsed by any of these brands, you guys. I'm just telling you what I like. I like for hiking, I like a thicker harness because I have lifted my dogs up out of tough situations um, by the harness before. So I like a thicker harness and I like bright colors um, if I'm out hiking. So that's what they're wearing right now. I also, they've got to wear stuff that's non-restrictive. So while a Brilliant Canine Harness... might be advertised as being you know with a handle you can lift the dog up and bright colors etc it's too restrictive of the shoulders for me to hike a dog in them so I need the shoulder blades clear of any harness strapping I need the dog to be um, in total freedom of movement in their harness so those are kind of my um requirements for the harness and you get to kind of make your own decisions here so whatever and it probably is going to take trial and error i've had a lot of different harnesses for hiking i also carry vet wrap in my pack Um, that's for anything from potential injury to maybe the um, it can act as a booty if necessary so if let's say your paws booties are ripped and need to be thrown out and your dog still needs to wear something you can wrap upon vet wrap really quick vet wrap is multi has, has so many different purposes that it's just a great thing to shove in your pouch and then the last thing i always bring for my dogs is food so i always have a tree pouch with food for them for behaviors and I try to have a store of food also in my pack because especially at that high elevation you want to be feeding them you want to be asking them to drink um, and a little trick there is to drop food in the water um, so pour some water in your collapsible bowl and drop some food in there and they'll consume some water eating the food out even if they think they don't need water and I just like to give them snacks throughout the hike it helps them keep their energy up it helps them um, just keep feeding the body the nutrients that it needs. And I use high nutrition content stuff here. I do not go cheap and I do not go low calorie for hikes. So I usually carry honestly just a high quality kibble. Um, There are only a couple of them that I that I like but that's usually what I will have Um, or freeze-dried raw nuggets or both. So freeze-dried raw treats as well as high quality kibble can be a total lifesaver when you're on the trail and dog needs a snack. So especially little Finnick, I mean, he's six months old and he hiked like a champ and he was at 14,000 feet and he was amazing, but we were really paying attention to the fact that this is a puppy at high elevation and we need to keep feeding him and keep getting him water um, because they can get altitude sickness just like we can. And finally let's talk about a few common courtesies that unfortunately are not too common. (laughs) Um, I, You know that I like my dogs to be off-leash. And I want to be very clear that that does not mean that my dogs are allowed to disturb other people or disrupt other people's hiking experience. And I take that very, very seriously. I have had dogs in the past that were aggressive or reactive and really, and I really needed people to be more courteous with their off-leash dogs than they were ever capable of being. And so it's important to me that I'm never that person. So the big one is no unsolicited dog or human interactions with your dog. I will admit Finnick jumped on one person um, while we were hiking. And he just basically failed his recall and jumped on the lady. And the lady was not happy about it. And rightfully not happy about it. She gets to be on her hike and not interact with my dog. So I apologize profusely and then put in the rule that if I saw people coming, Finnick needed to go on leash because he obviously didn't have um, a good enough recall there off of a human. I like that he's social. I like that he wants to say hi to everybody. That's great. But it's not anybody's job to interact with my puppy on a trail. So no unsolicited dog or human interactions. If I see someone coming whose dog is off-leash, I'll usually call out to them and ask if their dog is friendly, um, if they haven't already called it out to me. And then if everybody is okay, I let the, I tell my dogs to go say hi to that dog, um, and I allow them to say hi. It's easier for everyone to just do a quick interaction and keep moving than it is for me to try to get my dogs on leash and pulled over on the trail While this off-leash dog then approaches my dogs because most of the time off-leash dogs will approach your dogs which is why i just kind of go hey are they friendly are they okay nine times out of ten honestly or more often than that they are fine and everything's fine and we say hi and then everybody moves on if i see people coming without dogs um i typically pull my dogs over And I have had people say, oh, you're fine. I'm fine with dogs. If they say that, then I I tell them to go on um, and they can say hi. My dogs can say hi if they want to and not if they don't want to. Felix and Izzy will pass by the people. Finnick, because he's a baby and he's very social, will approach. Um, And that's fine. But it needs to be, we need to ask It needs to be cleared with everyone that the dogs can say hi or the people can say hi. Really, really needs to be cleared. So, and if my dog doesn't have those behaviors, the pullover, the recall, those kinds of things, then they just need to be on leash if I'm going to be seeing people out on the hike. I do select remote hikes on purpose as much as I can so that this isn't a big deal and I'm not calling my dogs off constantly. So, uh, clean up, you guys. Pack it in, pack it out. This is just a basic hiking rule. Um, that if your dog creates waste on the trail, you need to pick it up and pack it down. That's just that's just such a basic, uh, common courtesy. And there are not going to be trash cans at most trailheads. Okay, so I just stick those poop bags under my windshield wiper blade and drive down the highway with them and throw them out at the first gas station. Um, don't forget about them and then, you know, have a rainstorm and have to turn on your wiper blades and have that go flying on the highway. That's That certainly never happened to me. Definitely happened to a friend though. Um, so always pack it out. Really important to do. And then pay attention to the rules. If dogs are required to be leashed on a certain trail, there's probably a reason for that and I am not going to say that I never break that rule, but I don't break that rule if it's a popular trail with a lot of other people who are expecting me to abide by that rule. So just pay attention to the rules and there are also plenty of trails that dogs are simply not allowed and you want to check that out before you go. There are beautiful, amazing, iconic hikes in Colorado that I have never done because dogs are not allowed. Same with Washington. Um, Lots of national park trails do not allow dogs. And so I need to make sure that I know that before I head out. And then I, you know, I just make my choices. If I want to take my dogs, which I typically do, I just don't go to those trails. And if you know the rules, it's also, you know that also might save you a little bit of grief. I was on an off-leash legal trail um, and somebody got pretty irritated with me that my dogs were off-leash. My dogs did not interact with her dogs. Um, they were perfectly wonderful. They they didn't approach her at all but she verbally uh, accosted my friend about it while I was managing my dogs and The fact of the matter is that if it had been a leash required trail, I would understand why she was so irritated, but it wasn't a leash required trail. And so, you know, save yourself from being that person. (laughs) And also, you know, save yourself from, you know, I didn't feel like I was in the wrong, so I just kind of went about my business. Um, So know what the rules are, it's really important before heading out. So those are my hiking tips. Be sure to tell me your hiking tips over on the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And like I mentioned, I will share a brief video about training that collar give behavior over there. So I hope you check it out. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.